Socialism and Art. This short talk was delivered earlier this year to spark a discussion among socialists, the discussion being more important than the talk. History happens, art follows. Sometimes it is on the curve of change and sometimes it is left behind or attempts to take us back to a myth. I concentrate here on visual art, poetry and theatre. We can view the history of visual art as the illusion of paint on a flat surface for which the Greeks, some 700 years BC, laid down certain aesthetic rules. These include the golden section based on mathematical principles in terms of composition and proportion and in recreation of perspective which encompassed architecture and sculpture too. The essence of art was to create harmony between all things. However, gods and their stories were used to contest the ideas and arguments required to keep building and extending an imperial power. Thereby, there was a need for theatre too. The Greek amphitheatres of 600-400 BC were C-shaped constructions with perfect acoustics, firstly built of wood, then stone, where festivals were celebrated with comedies, satires and dramas. These were attended by masters and slaves for both to devote themselves to the ethics and the order of society. The Roman Empire ultimately turned this theatre into one of the extreme violence and executions, most famously at the Colosseum in Rome, right up to 100 AD. Lost through the feudal era, Christianity and the monarchy required no perspective of reality for the one and only all-omnipotent God. Only the golden halos around Mary and Jesus were required for the viewers to pierce the darkness. Feudalism wiped out much theatre save for poets and minstrels serving the courts of kings and queens. Chaucer was the most famous poet laureate and was paid a gallon of beer a day for life in the 14th century to entertain the court. This entertainment could not only lift the and consolidate the mood of the court, but provide a means of subtle criticism necessary for any king to keep and extend his power. The Renaissance and the rise of capitalism changed perceptions of art and theatre fundamentally. In painting, representational perspective became all where the powerful and newly rich were the focus of these paintings and all they surveyed. However, on the cusp between feudalism and capitalism, Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, 1599-1644, wasn't just made dynamic by the subject matter and rich language, but by the building itself. Groundlings, drawn from the masses standing at the base of the building, looking up at the actors on the thrust stage, and above the stage, the seated, newly powerful merchants and bankers, and above them, the court. The French Revolution of 1789 marked a huge turning point in art too. Without it, we'd not have had the romantic poets and painting wouldn't have broken uh, with the state. French artist Gustave Courbet was first to call himself a socialist in the 1840s for his brand of realism depicted the lives of ordinary people. If capitalism celebrated individualism, 
then artists followed. Originality became a mantra. Artists were painting from life and Impressionism became a driving force in the late 19th century where prevailing notions of perspective and mark-making were under strain as painters drew directly from their relationships with reality. Theatre entirely reflected capitalist society too as the thrust stage retreated behind the picture frame of the proscenium arch. However, there were important changes here too in the late 19th century as Ibsen and Chekhov created a theatre of realism. Yet, for the working classes, the rise of the musical, an escape from drudgery, was perhaps an illustration of how capitalism can separate and accommodate those it exploits. The middle class have their theatre, the working class their musical. Fast forward to the Great War and the Russian Revolution. Both events tipped art and theatre on their heads. The battle of ideologies can be best seen between the Italian futurists, who were drawn to fascism, and the Russian futurists, futurists, who stayed faithful to the Bolshevik cause. Indeed, their art of abstractions, their dislocated poetry and theatre, turned concepts of art completely around. If society is an anarchy, why is art searching out a harmony of illusions? Though we may cite Picasso as the great champion of abstraction via cubism in the 20th century, it was the painter Cezanne who was a really revolutionary painter, for he showed that a, a prescribed mathematical perspective is an illusion of an illusion. For we see the world through a cone of vision which doesn't adhere to the conventions of a straightforward mathematical composition. We are human. We are not a formula. Modernism, in an important sense, was the direct expression of the Russian Revolution. Brecht's theatre not only transformed the staging and how we view drama, but also changed many theatrical assumptions and challenged through its take on its subject matter. More than this, Brecht looked back to Greek and Chinese theatre to create a political theatre for our own times. However, in my view, the greatest art movement of the 20th century was surrealism. For example, it is impossible to think of the history of art without the influence of surrealism, and it still exercises an influence on how we view the world around us today. At its core, the movement combines sport for the revolution and a way for artists to unite the theories of Marx and Freud, the inner world of the individual connected to the global world of all of us, without a god to praise or to blame. Its leader, André Breton, became a Trotskyist in the early 1930s. He was a fervent anti-racist, anti-fascist all his life. With Trotsky, he attempted to set up a united front of artists against fascism in 1937. Their efforts were too late to stop the Nazis... By that time, and by that time, the likes of Picasso, Dali, Giacometti, and others had either tied their hands to Stalin's Soviet Union or they'd been drawn into social democracy. Post war, the shock of the new was increasingly accommodated into the social democracy of the new order. Importantly, cutting edge art was now centred in the United States in the new heart of the beast. 
from the Beat Poets to Abstract Expressionism, where Jackson Pollock became one of the greatest 20th century artists. Of course, the transatlantic shift was partly due to the fact that art auction houses had moved from Paris and London to New York. To New York. It is my view that modernism arrived very slowly in Britain and we must exclude here the Irish writer James Joyce. Look at the poetry of the Great War and we find little of changing the actual structure of poems. Even Eliot's The Wasteland hides his conservatism of form. Theatre-wise, liberal critics say John Osborne's Look Back in Anger in 1956 was a turning point for British theatre. But Brit- British kink kitchen sink films of that time were far more challenging. Theatre still appeared class-driven, while film had become a huge universal art form. Real change occurred with the fires of 1968. For all its newness of style and design, the 1960s was quite a repressive decade. Lady Chatterley's Lover was banned right up until 1960 and Edward Bond's Queen Victoria had been physically stopped by the Lord Chamberlain at the Royal Court in 1967. Then, 1968 arrived with civil rights marches and riots and students and workers in revolt across the world. Of all the arts, theatre in Britain went through the greatest change and became politically charged. There was theatre in the round, theatre on the streets, theatre in education, theatre in the workplace, and the language of theatre itself changed as film and TV interacted with it. Also, a new political art practice was established in 1968, community arts forging social and political art within communities. Yet today... Fifty years on, there is no community arts as the pioneers of the form had envisaged it. Meanwhile, fringe theatres have closed. A play has gone back behind the picture frame of the proscenium. Visual art has suffered, in my view, from the Britpop scene. And now, uh, attendance figures at Tate Modern are falling a little. But... Postmodernism isn't the thrust of this talk. Still, I want to leave this talk by posing a specific question among socialists. Trotsky railed against agitational propaganda, agitprop art, because in the throes of the Russian Revolution, art must not take the place, uh, not place, it must not place working class on a pedestal for revolutionaries fight for a classless society. Stalin, of course, took the opposite view, elevating socialist realism to further his dictatorship over the heroic workers he used in his propaganda. So here's the question. Is there an appropriate historic time or circumstance for using agitprop, such as within the growing Extinction Rebellion movement? Or can the Extinction Rebellion itself electrify artists through its practice for them to find a new way of doing things in their art rather than just follow a cause.